Philip Green has held some pretty impressive titles over the years, working for businesses across the tech industry such as Amazon and Groupon. His most recent gig was at Deliveroo, where Green served as CFO and led the company through tremendous growth. Today we'll be speaking to Philip on the importance of fraud prevention for a leading e-commerce business, what the long-term security strategies that any business should undertake are, and the importance of building out a well-rounded team. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, so I want to start with just a bit of a business background from you. Can you just give me an overview um, of what you've done previously? Um, yeah, so I think very long career, probably 20, 20 plus years, um, mostly in finance roles with some kind of short deviations into um, IT and just general business um, business roles. Um, most of the time has been, or certainly most of the recent time has been in technology companies and companies going through a large scale up period. Um, so Amazon, Groupon, actually Groupon was contracting at the time, um, and Deliveroo um, more recently as the CFO there. Um, outside of that, I've saved, I've done one other founder-led company, which was Iceland, and then I've worked in some large companies like ICI, uh, Scottsdale Newcastle, so bigger corporates as well. Um, so kind of diverse background of companies. Fantastic. So going off of the companies that you've worked with, you've worked for a good yeah. variety of tech companies, to IT businesses, I want to talk about your role as a CFO. So in terms of fraud, why does fraud matter to a CFO? Um, I think multiple reasons. So if I, most people will say because it's, you're, you're losing money. Um, and I think that in a very, very direct way, that's for sure, right, is that money is being taken out of the company. Um, I tend to look at it at probably a slightly different level, which is it's, there's also a bad customer experience happening. Um, and that's because while you're trying to figure out how to deal with fraud, um, that you put a risk on what is a true customer versus what is a, a false customer. Um, and I think that's more important for the customer journey and, and for the value of the company. Interesting. So if we were to say on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. kind of how significant is the problem of fraud um, for an e-class company? Where do you think you place the number? Um, so I, th I think when the company first starts out, fraud is actually not that big a deal because whilst the control process is usually fairly weak, um, the company is not very well known. Um, once the once the brand gets gets known, um, fraud accelerates at an incredible pace, um, and certainly that's been my experience of of working in some companies where fraud just all of a sudden starts to accelerate, um, and by the time you realise it's a problem, it's a, it's a large problem, um, and you're and then fixing it takes um, working with good companies like Ravin and those guys to actually say how do we get on top of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it scales very, very quickly. And in terms of building out a team for fraud, what sort of team do you have to build out to manage fraud at a big e-commerce business? Um, well, a smart one, for sure. <laughs> uh, and so I think with the process we went through, um, if I think about the delivery experiences, we had a product manager. Um, get a product manager in, um, get them on the ground, get them working with different software tools, um, a lot of analytics, a lot of machine learning to, to, train, to train the systems to identify what is a genuine fraud case, um, and then have um, software and tools in place to start blocking transactions, um, whether that's an individual transaction or whether that's customers. Um, and so it's a, it is a, a tech, tech requirement, um, more than it is a, a pure financial requirement. And would you as CFO kind of interfere with that, or would you just leave the team to...? Um, no, I think, so I think the CFO's role is to protect the company's resources. Yeah. 
Um, and if cash is going out the door and not being used to serve a customer, then absolutely get involved. Um, and so, and we had, and, and as a board, there's a lot of discussions around how, what is a reasonable level for fraud. And the fact that you say reasonable level for fraud is recognition that you will never fully stop it. Um, and there's a lot of benchmarking that you can have in terms of what is what do good companies look like, um, and then how do you get to to kind of that benchmark or better. Mm-hmm. And I guess kind of circling back to the building out of a good team, do you think this team would be viewed as part of the growth story or just a very protection? I I don't know if I'd separate the two. I think that. It, it'd be really hard to say that you can have a growth story if basically all of your growth is coming from fraudulent transactions. Um, and I don't think the, um, the investors will be too keen to continue to invest in, in a growth story, which is actually not true customer sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in the end, it's both, right? It's revenue protection to make sure it's genuine revenue. Um, but in the end, if you don't get in control of it, you will not grow because people will just not give you money. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a bit about reputational risk. So yeah. is fraud a big... You know, risk for a big global e-commerce business or a reputational risk? That bit, I, I'd, I'd, le- I'm, I'd be less concerned about the reputational risk um, in sense of if somebody's stealing money from the company, I don't know if that damages their reputation with other customers. If they're stealing customer data, that's a huge reputational risk. But I think financial fraud in terms of the company, I don't think that's as bad as a, as bad as a problem, um, except for its reputational towards investors. Because then it's like, well, why do I want to invest in this company? It doesn't have good controls. Mm-hmm. And that would flag then maybe other controls are not as good as they should be. Uh, so I think it's more an investor-facing risk than it is a consumer-facing risk. And just talking about uh, your role as CFO, you're obviously quite senior at the company. So would you talk about fraud um, in board-level meetings? Or would this be kind of something that you talk with wider teams? Or kind of how... Both. People, both. Both is the answer. Okay. I think that the you're talking about the board meeting when it's a problem. Um, and once it becomes a problem, then it's an update around what are you doing around it and are you moving fast enough? Are you putting enough resources behind fixing it? Um, are you hitting the right levels? So for sure, that's a board level conversation um, when it becomes a significant um, item within the PL. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of that, you're talking about it always with the teams in terms of making sure that you've got good controls in place, that you're getting the costs under control. Um, the, then the wider challenge is around the policy around how do you think about fraud and how far do you want to push the needle. I mean, the best way to stop fraud is to close your business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you absolutely take, I, I want zero fraud, then cool, close, close the doors of the company. Um, and so then you have the conversation around, well, what's our appetite for risk? Yeah. And that clearly is a, is a management, management board decision in terms of where do you want to be on the lens and how, what's the appetite for taking risk. Yeah. Um, and because false positives is clear that the bigger concern in terms of when you upset your genuine customers, because they're genuine, they might look like they're fraud because they're spending a lot of money, doing a lot of transactional volume. Um, there's a risk that you actually, you upset those customers. So it's a very, very careful, careful line. Mm-hmm. And I know you briefly mentioned it, but outside of the boardroom, do you think there's enough discussion happening on fraud? Um, I think that there's not enough proactive discussion around fraud. I think it it only happens once somebody recognises there's a problem, um, which really makes sure you've got to come down to analysing transactions and really getting the information around it. It's very easy to sit back and be very happy with your volume growth um, before you actually realise that, wait a minute, this is not genuine volume growth. It is actually money going out the door of the company, um, which is why having strong financial, financial controls, financial statements that are frequent, 
um, frequently updated and tracked, I think that's super important. Mm. Um, otherwise, you can you can have a problem, and if you if you don't look at the data frequently, um, you won't recognize it, mm. and you can have a big problem. And just kind of going back to where we started and working for different uh, businesses, have you seen fraud change in any way? So has it become more of a threat, less of a threat? Is it better managed? I don't know. Um, I, I actually don't know if it's... I think that as more and more businesses done online, absolutely, I think there is a... There's, there's a there is more fraud happening online for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that whether there is more fraud overall versus when transactions are offline, um, I'm not sure. I think it's just easier to catch in the sense of it's easier to measure, not necessarily to catch, it's easier to measure. Mm -hmm. So the perception probably is there is more fraud. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if that's the case. And what advice would you give to your CFO kind of equivalents? So do you have any long-term strategies for fighting fraud or just um, any advice you would give to people listening to the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the most important thing is make sure one, you've got data that you can actually use. Um, and analyze to start understanding where fraud's happening um, and have mechanics for shutting it down. And I think that the sooner you start that data process and gathering process, then the, the faster you'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's a question of whether that's something you believe you have competency to build in-house um, or you pick a partner. Um, if I was looking at smaller companies, I would say pick a partner. Mm -hmm. um, there might be a point where a large company, actually the economics makes sense to go and build it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but for sure, as you're starting on your journey, just pick an expert, work with an expert, and you know, and they'll help you. It's a good. That's a good way. Good strategy. Yeah. Um, that's all the questions that I have. But is there cool. anything you'd like to add, or anything that you'd want to mention that I haven't covered? No, I, mean, I think I, I. The only thing I would mention is, um, I mean, certainly, uh, my journey working with a complete rapper has been incredibly positive, um, and I think that's it's key when you find a good partner. Um, and you work closely together, I think that's super important. Um, and I think that when you're selecting a partner, that's that's really key that you find somebody who's willing to work with you mm. um, and really wants to understand your business. Partnership is key. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Cool. Thank, thank you. you.